Members of the American Federation of Government Employees are steaming at a decision by the Federal Services Impasses Panel. It mostly ruled against them in a landmark negotiation with the Social Security Administration. Federal unions are generally crabby about HR initiatives from the Trump administration. Here in studio with some possible ways ahead, Bob Tobias, professor in the key executive management program at American University. And I guess we should also say, Bob, you are a longtime observer and commenter and expert in federal labor relations. And you walked into the studio carrying a copy of the Civil Service Reform Act, a dog-eared copy that you've had for quite a number of years. So That's true. Where do we go from here? I mean, what's the situation in your view? I believe the Federal Service Impasses Panel based its decision to eliminate um, office space for the union to reduce the amount of administrative time for union officials to require the union to pay for travel, for witnesses at uh, grievances. And they those calculations are are incomplete. They made monetary calculations of all of these things, and the numbers are tiny, frankly, when you compare the the operating budget of Social Security, a couple hundred thousand here, a few tens of thousands there. But as the panel noted, in some cases, those costs are can be rationalized. Well, I don't think they can be rationalized. I think that when, when you look at the overall labor management relationship, it will cost much more as a result of this decision. For example, there will be no ability or impetus for the union to settle at the lowest possible level. Every grievance will be pushed to arbitration. You'll have arbitration costs. Every um, issue over negotiation will be pushed to the limit. There's no inclination to settle. The conflict that will exist in the workplace is antithetical to a workplace that's engaged in in, um, increasing organizational results. So I believe that the final costs of this decision far exceed any calculated cost articulated by the Federal Services Impasses Panel. This issue of grievances. Now, the union did get one of the decisions in its favor regarding grievances. But in general, you find that what they decided on the on the 12 clauses that they could not agree on in the case of Social Security and AFGE, that a lot of memoranda that had kind of clustered around the old contract that had grown up over the years, those were all cleared away. And they're starting in a clean slate. And the union says, but those were really important to the daily operation of the labor management function under the contract. Well, the the panel ordered a clean slate, abolished all of the local and national memorandums of understanding, memorandums of agreement that had developed over time to guide the parties um, and to fill out their labor management relationship. Tell us more about those memoranda. How do they, what do they do? How do they get generated? And how come they're not in the original clauses to begin with? They come about when management initiates a change either locally or nationally. And as part of the uh, resolution of the change required by management, they negotiate a memorandum of agreement, a memorandum of understanding. Uh, Management's obligated to negotiate when it seeks to change things in the workplace. And so these are the result of longstanding issues and problems. If they're abolished, they'll all have to be renegotiated. In other words, these come up as issues not anticipated in the original collective bargaining agreement arise, then a memorandum might be created to establish whatever new principle was not in the original agreement. That is exactly correct. Yeah. So 
given human nature, <laughs> then these same issues are going to come up. And so you're saying that they're going to be back to creating new memo random anyhow. So why not go forward with the existing ones? That's exactly right. So they're going to come up again. They're all going to have to be renegotiated over time. It's going to cost a ton of money, a ton of time. And while they're being negotiated, there's uncertainty and conflict. It's not conducive to the uh, a productive labor management relationship. We're speaking with Bob Tobias, professor in the key executive leadership program at American University. And what does the Civil Service Reform Act say about all, all of this? Well, Tom, it says very clearly in the preamble that um, Congress finds that experience in both the private and public employment indicates that collective bargaining relationships facilitates and encourages the amicable settlements of disputes between employees and their employers involving conditions of employment through their unions. So this decision ignores that goal. Collective bargaining solves problems. This decision creates problems. Well, then the question is, are they anti-union or is it simply Social Security didn't like the conditions of that earlier bargaining agreement? Because I think from the standpoint of the union, if you feel that the person or the entity you're bargaining with is fundamentally anti-union, it doesn't seem like any sort of graceful resolution is ever possible. I don't know whether Social Security is anti-union, maybe so, but what I do know is that Social Security Administration is anti-collective bargaining, anti-solving problems in the workplace with the union who are the employee's uh, recognized representative. Well, that's interesting, too, because if you impute from that, well, this is because the Trump administration and that accusation has been made. There were congressional hearings involving the head of the Federal Labor Relations Authority in which Congress members of both parties questioned whether the FLRA is now anti-union or anti-collective bargaining. But at Social Security, there are only three political appointees. And one was just confirmed, the commissioner just confirmed after all of this happened. And so how does that come into an organization where it's career management? Um, I I really don't know what was in the mind of the SSA management um, who were pursuing these uh, proposals. Perhaps they were uh, seeking to implement um, the language from the uh, executive orders of the Trump administration. I do not know. But as I say, there is absolutely no question that – The Social Security Administration does not want to solve problems with its union. And let me just ask you a devil's advocate question. In a document that has, well, there were 50 roughly codicils or clauses that the union and Social Security did agree on before they went to arbitration, before they went to the FSIP. And there were about a dozen, there were exactly a dozen that were decided by the impasses panel. So that's 62 clauses taking up a couple of hundred, several hundred pages. Can you really have good relations if it has to be expressed as 62 clauses of many, many paragraphs in a 400-page document? Well, I think that over time, um, collective bargaining agreements um, increase in size because um, the relationship is long. So I don't think the the fact that the bargaining agreement is um, large is the issue. The question is, what is the spirit with which it's implemented? Is the spirit to solve problems? Is the spirit to act unilaterally? And I believe that uh, SSA is interested in more ability to act unilaterally and less willing to behave uh, in, in a collective bargaining relationship. 
Well, food for thought. Bob Tobias is a professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.